You may have heard of us, but you might not know Bank First is a community bank that has no fee ATM access, interest and perks earning checking accounts. With online and mobile banking, mortgages for every stage of life, and modern business banking for businesses, small and big. We keep it all together to put you first. Do you bank with us? You should. Bank First is an equal housing lender and a member FDIC. Well, it's Friday, and it is the second weekend of the College Baseball Series. I'm Charlie Winfield. He's Bart Gregory, and we are getting ready for Mississippi State to host, I don't know what you call them, Bart. I don't know if perennial power. That's not the word. Former perennial power. Used to be power. Yeah. Erstwhile great program, Arizona State. This is a team that's won five national championships but they haven't been to the Super Regional since 2011. They won what three in the 60s, one in the 70s, one in the 80s. They were in the College World Series, what, 98 when we were out there? Yeah, 1998. Played for the championship. Got beaten in a championship game, and that's really the game that changed the bats, remember? You had that big, wild score. USC won the national championship, and it was like a, a crazy score, you know, 20-something to 18 or whatever. And that's kind of what changed the bats was that College World Series up in Omaha in 98. 98. So last time we've played Arizona State, 1981. It's been a long time. And that was in the College World Series also. Man, when you think back to Arizona State and you think back you know, from our era, I think of Barry Bonds, of course. And you have guys like Dustin Pedroia who played at Arizona State. Forget about him being out there. That's right. And so there, there was a, there were a lot of guys. You know, now, Bob, my childhood, you had Odeby McDowell. Odeby McDowell. That's Odeby a name. McDowell still has his jersey on the wall out there, I believe. So Odeby McDowell, if you were following baseball that 83-84 period, was, I mean, well, he was the Golden Spikes winner in 84, played on that Olympic team with Will Clark in 84. Mark McGuire was on that team. And he, I mean, the guy could flat play. And so he um, played with the Rangers for a long time. War number zero, which was kind of an interesting thing at the time. We see more zeros now. My favorite Odeby McDowell trivia, though, was that back in 2011, Deadspin, the website, <laughs> water bills in Arizona at the time, you could go you could go access them online, and they ran like 14 articles detailing his monthly water bills for Odeby <laughs> McDowell. <laughs> you know, like, what if we could get a hold of, like, Steve Polk's water bills? Yeah, that, that would be 14 good. 14 articles on Steve Polk and how much water he's using <laughs> down on the coast. You know, we were, uh, for a Braves fan in the 80s, and I know Matt White was one of those guys, Bob Horner, who seemed like he hit a, home captain. Run, hit a home run for the Braves every single night. He played at Arizona State as well. So Reggie Jackson. Yes. So Reggie Jackson went to play football. And the story goes that Reggie was out, basically wanted to play baseball. Back then, freshmen couldn't play, but they, you know, they let him out there. He hits like three home runs and five at bats. And he was still practicing, by the way. He came out like in his football pants. He didn't want to be a defensive back. He talks his way onto the team. And Rick Monday, who he would later play with with the Oakland A's, he replaced in center field. As a sophomore, so Reggie Jackson. Yeah. Giving up football to be a baseball player at Arizona State. And, of course, for Major League Baseball GM, I know he's a, a former player, but Sal Bando 
Drew recently just passed away last month. And I think month. they will actually have stickers on their helmets. For Sal Bando? For Sal Bando. You know, when I think of Sal Bando, his son, Sal Bando Jr., was the head coach at High Point from 2001, I think, to like 2008. And do you know who came to High Point right after Sal Bando? <laughs> I do know, only because of the time frame. Yeah, Butch Thompson. Butch Thompson was named the head coach at High Point for like a week. And that's when John Cohen caught him to be the, the pitching coach here at State. And so, uh, Butch Thompson following up Sal Bando Jr. Okay, that's a – you know, Arizona State, Charlie, the, the thing about their program, they've only had four losing seasons in program history. And that's one of the things that stands out about to me. But last year was one of them. Last year, they led the Pac-12 in ERA over a six-point earn run average – and it was by more than one run a game, by more than one, that they had uh, the worst ERA in the league. And the thing that they did is you talk about turning over a roster. This is a completely different roster this year with Arizona State. Particularly on the mound. Um, if you look defensively right now, it's new in a couple of ways. One, you have freshmen who start in center field. You've got a freshman starting – at third and at short, you have transfers, though, in right, at second, at third base. Well, sometimes third base. Johnny Weaver plays some. See, but you've got some guys defensively, but it's really pronounced on the mound. On the mound, they are averaging about an inning and a third a game from guys who were there last year. Everything else coming from a transfer. And that's what's amazing to me. When you when you look at this program, they had 13 Division One transfers coming into this program this year, eight junior college guys, so 21 transfers on this pro in, on this roster. They had 12 high school signees, so that means they've got 33 newcomers in this program. And I don't think I've ever seen that. You know, D1 Baseball said that LSU had the top-ranked transfer class in the country. I think we had you know, number one, five, number depending five, on what you look at. Right. And then they were number two. Arizona State was number two transfer class in the country. Now, what all does that mean? You know, do you trust some of those sources? Well, and at what level do you care? Meaning if you had good players, you don't need all the transfers. I mean, they basically had to go rebuild, and they've done that. All three of their starters on the weekend are transfers. One from Florida State, one from Florida, one from Texas A&M. Their midweek guy is a transfer. He's from Wichita State. But just about everything out of the bullpen, except for their closer, and then they got one little setup jam guy. Everybody else comes from somewhere else. And you, you start looking. They, they raided San Francisco, Valpo, Oregon State, Eastern Illinois, Arkansas Tech, which I'm not familiar with their game. Wonder Boys. But are they really? Yeah, the Wonder Boys, Arkansas Tech. Well, they watch a little too much natural, huh? Yeah, they got one guy from Arab, from, from Arkansas, like legit Arkansas, and so who didn't pitch hardly at all last year or didn't play hardly at all last year for Arkansas. Oh, second baseman, but yeah. he's, not he's not playing, playing hardly at all now either. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, a lot of transfers on this team, and hard to say where they are. I think they're I think they're a pretty good team, though. I do, too, and just based upon their first four games, they beat San Diego State all three games last weekend in some close games, one six to five, five to three, then one to nothing. 
And like you said, Charlie, the, the transfers on the mound on the weekend rotation, and we can look at this in our you know, pitching matchups in just a minute, all three transfer guys, one from Florida State, one from Florida, the other from Texas A&M. And so then they come back on Tuesday night and beat UNLV 6-3. to three. They, they have six home runs on the season, one by six different players. So what does that tell you? I don't know. Yeah, that's right. It's hard to say after one week. But it is. This is a much higher level of opponent than what we saw a week ago. Um, by the way, if you hate Will Rogers, this is the place to be this weekend out in left field. It's Will Rogers, the starting left fielder. Oh, is it? For Arizona State. He had the game-winning hit in that first game. He's a big player. He might make an appearance in my two guys that can smoke you. They can smoke you. All right. Uh, of course, we're in the Farm Bureau studios here in downtown Startwell Farm Bureau. Go with the home team at Farm Bureau. Check them out at favorites.com. Uh, of course, agents all across the state of Mississippi, home, life, auto, whatever you're in the market for in the insurance world, life, go see our friends at Farm Bureau. And this is our Tracks Plus deep dig. Tracks Plus now with five locations tracksplus.com I was in Birmingham yesterday Charlie I was on 459 going around the bypass and I saw the tracks plus location over in Bessemer Alabama and of course it all started in Hickory Mississippi and just a Saney excavators and mini excavators I saw a a Saney mini excavator this morning on the road coming to Startwell Chris Weems and the fine folks down at uh, tracks plus Forestry equipment, one of the biggest suppliers of forestry, new or used. And so this is our Tracks Plus deep dig. All right, so let's take a look at our pitching matchups this weekend, Bart. Mississippi State, let's start there. Cade Smith will go today. If you're listening to this on Friday when it's being recorded, Cade Smith got the opening day start last week, back out there today. If you're a Mississippi State fan, you know what you're getting out of Cade Smith. You're getting a guy that can compete. Tomorrow, though, you're going to see something different. Bulldogs making a change in the middle, and they're going to go with Itama. Yeah, so surprise gonna, you. Yeah, it it does a little bit. And is there any sort because this hasn't been talked about that I've seen? Got any idea that maybe what we're looking at here is an opener? And what I mean by an opener, you know, the old major leagues, the the Marlins, where you throw somebody out there oh, for yeah. an inning and a third, and then you bring in somebody else. The old Trevor Fitz deal. Yeah, I mean, is that what we're going to see here? You, you might. You roll him out there for an inning, inning and a third, get through the first four or five batters, then go to KC Hunt? Well, you know, Eintema is a guy, when we talked to Chris Lamonis, that they talked about he could be an inning eater. And so if you got an inning eater in the middle innings, you may see three, four innings out of him. Now, if you know you've got that in game two, does that affect the way you pitch on the backside in game one? Because Cade Smith went four innings last week, got in trouble a little bit with pitch count. And so, it, to me, knowing in game two that that you may have a four-inning guy or five-inning guy, I don't know how that affects the way you pitch tonight. Or does it? I don't know. You know, and then it becomes the question of where are you going to use your guys out of the pen that you think can give you some length? Let's take Nate Dome. Are you going to use him today? Or are you going to try to hold him for tomorrow to sit him behind Itama, you go left and come right with, you know, with some velocity. I don't know. But in any event, I don't know. I, I guess it could be one of those things. You put him out there and see how long he goes, right? You would kind of think that if you if, if 
Bradley Lofton, because we were kind of thinking it may be Lofton, maybe the next guy. Maybe you piggyback Lofton. But That's, do you put a righty between them? Probably so. I would think he would come back. Because Ayantama is a different pitcher than Lofton. He's a different kind of left-hander. But I would think he would, would back in that lefty with a righty. We'll see how that goes. And then on Sunday, Gartman. Who I like. I like him a lot. And he's kind of that perfect Sunday guy. So after you see Velocity. Friday, he's a Saturday. Pitcher. He's just a guy that just runs it up there, you know, different pitches, and he's a pitcher. Arizona State, starting Ross Dunn in the game tonight, left-hander, started his career at Florida State. They're going left, right, left. We're going right, left, right. So Dunn last week pitched in the opener, only went two and two-thirds. Now, he was on a pitch count, though, of 45 in that ball game. I think he ended up going 47. He was a fastball guy, threw seven – Fastballs to open the game, get somebody two strikes, then comes with a slider. But he is going to pitch off his fastball and kind of mix it up a little bit, change his grip some. But he's a fastball guy, mid-90s from the left. And if I could throw mid-90s from the left, couldn't I'd tell be a me, fastball guy too. Yeah, and you couldn't tell me anything. Now, his secondary pitches aren't great, but you can he uses them at times. So, how far do they let Dunn go tonight? Just 45 pitches a week ago, still working into things. Well, and here's where they back-ended last week in the Friday game because Owen Stevenson, who's a transfer from San Francisco, you know, he was a guy who they thought could possibly be their fourth starter. He's or, a four-pitch guy. And he's a four-pitch guy. He's a right-handed pitcher. And so you, you think about the left-hander with Dunn, and then they come out of the bullpen with Stevenson from the right side. You know, last week he went four innings in middle relief against San Diego State, gave up five hits in the four innings, gave up two runs, two hits, didn't strike out anybody. He walked a couple. And so that's kind of how they're going to do And I would, I would you know, figure you may see the same thing tonight. You know, you try to go four innings. Right. And then you come with Stevenson. Now, they've got a closer on the back end, a guy named Peary, who they use a lot. He's pitched in three of their four games. He pitched in 34 of their ball games last year. This is a guy that is going to drive us crazy <laughs> if he has success because he's a submariner who throws upper 70s. Yeah, that's that's a guy that will drive you crazy. I mean, he may hit 81. I think he hit 80 on the gun last week. And so, as I say, I was reading one of the scouting reports on him. It talks about way he attacks the zone. I'm not sure at 80 you're attacking much of anything. But, <laughs> but he's throwing it at the zone. And so, here we are. We've got uh, Peary, who you'll see on the back end. But done game one. Game two, you're going to see another guy you've heard about. That's Christian Curtis. That's where they go with a right-hander. He pitched at Texas A&M, had Tommy John surgery, what, about a year and a half ago? Yeah. And he was off to a really good start. Now, before he had Tommy John surgery, he was a mid-'90s guy. Where he'll be, you know, tonight I don't, or tomorrow night, don't know. But he touched 97 yeah, last, last week, had a big mix of pitches. And so he is a, he is a very talented right-hander. Pitched really well in the ball game that he pitched last week. On Sunday, you go with Manning. You go back to a SEC guy. Manning at Florida. This is an interesting case for me on Sunday because the hype for Manning has been great over the years. Oh, it has been. And, it, man, if anybody ever embodied the University of Florida, it's been Manning because the hype's always been greater than the substance. 
He's got good stuff. He's fastball changeup, curveball guy. He can really spin it. The issue is, though, over his career, he has averaged allowing two base runners an inning. Now, the thing that Arizona State did last week, they got around some trouble. They did. They had a lot of guys on base, some of that through their own mistakes, and then found ways to get ground balls and and do things. So, Dunn, the lefty, then Curtis, the righty, Manning, the lefty, and you go Florida State, Texas A&M, Florida on the transfer list, and you'll back end it except for Peary, the submariner we talked about with a bunch of transfers. And that's our pitching matchups brought to you by Tracks Plus. All right, Charlie, just from the overall scope, this weekend, what do you want to see from Mississippi State? We won two out of three last weekend against VMI. You, everybody kind of looked to this weekend being the weekend that, that may tell us what kind of team we have. Hey, we came back and won a big game on Wednesday, the way we came back against Louisiana Monroe, not playing well on Tuesday, playing well on Wednesday. This will be the best pitching that we have seen this year from a high-velocity standpoint. Well, you're seeing SEC pitching this You're going to see SEC pitching this weekend. And so I think you're going to know a lot more about your lineup Sunday afternoon around 5 o'clock than you do right now. Because, let's be honest, there is a big difference in being able to hit or not hit. Some, some guys have difficulty with VMI style of hitting or pitching, and they actually hit it better at 94 than they do at 87. No question. And that's why people get frustrated all the time. What do we see in regionals when the one struggles with the four and you're about to lose your mind watching it because some guys up there throwing 82. Sometimes guys throwing below bat speed can be really effective. Because you never see it. I mean, we see every day, you know, when live ball scrimmages, we see 93. Now, conversely, we had some guys off to some really good starts at the plate. And now the question becomes – Oh, you can hit that, but can you hit 97? Right. And so we're going to see something both ways because I think, as you say, the experience in the batter's box is going to be very different. It, the lefties that we're going to see this weekend aren't going to be floating it up there at 82 with spin like we saw on Wednesday. No. Or Tuesday, rather. No. Well, we were just baffled. <laughs> but, hey, left-handed guys. It's, you know, I know, but here's my question then why don't more teams get them? What do we always say? Man, you just, boy, you're just going to struggle against a soft toss and lefty. Well, why does nobody have room in the SEC on their roster? I think if I were going in the portal, that's the guy I want. Ross Mitchell. Yeah. I mean, I still believe those guys can get outs. I do too. I do too. You mean to tell me John Harden couldn't get an out today? I'm not buying it. (laughs) <laughs> now, the difference you in the You can't game, wait that long. Hey, let me ask you this question. Because I was about to say, you know, the Ross Mitchell and the guys, the guys like that were so successful when they had the race scene with the ball, 2013, they changed it to 2014. And it made a big difference. And it, it made a real big difference. Um, you've seen crazy exit velocities this year. Do you think the ball's hot? you go in there? You think the ball's hot? Think? It looks hot. Well, here's what I'm noticing. Every time I pull up and I read about a game now, I am seeing the phrase monster home run, 448 feet, 430 feet, 450-something feet. There's a lot of balls that are being hit a long ways right now. And maybe it's a small sample size, but the, the number, just anecdotally, I can't give you the numbers, but anecdotally, that's been a big thing. Um, 
but let me give you this. Let's talk about this, why balls are going so far. I'm going to give you one more. We're playing with a really tight strike zone right now. We had in our ball game on Saturday against VMI, the one that we were frustrated about, double-digit strikes called balls. Well, and to be honest with you, Charlie, that's kind of inexcusable. If you have strikes that are being called balls in today's world where, you know, those guys, if they're going to go off a track, man, and to me that's that's so much worse than a ball being called a strike. I mean, think about it, though, if what you were saying, because the other thing is look at how many of these home runs are being hit with two strikes. And so you go and you say, what's going on? Well, if you don't have to worry so much about guarding the plate, which is the thing you always heard growing up, right? you got to protect here. you got to expand a little bit. You can't take a strike. Well, if you know you don't really have to, and you can just look middle-middle, that's that makes it really tough on a pitching staff. I think we are going to look back at the end of this year and we're going to – a lot of people are going to be frustrated with their pitching staffs if they don't pick up the stats and look and see what is happening elsewhere. You know, as bad as it was for us last weekend throwing strikes, we didn't lead the league. Oh, I know. You know, there were teams who walked more guys than we did. We didn't lead the league in, in walks, I mean. Um, we walked 19. Ole Miss walked 18. And so, now, the problem we had is ours just came in bunches. Yeah, ours came in one day. Yeah, and they came – three at a time, and so that was the challenge. But it's going to be an issue all over the league. Coaches are not happy about this. Coaches across the league are saying, it's not that you have to change the plate. Just make the grid that the umpires are evaluated on a little bit bigger. Give them a ball either way. Yeah, give them a ball outside and uh, and see how that and goes. And if you want to speed up the game, if all for all this stupid stuff we're doing to baseball about trying to make the game faster – Expand the zone. Keep people swinging. Let's get through here. Well, and there you bring up another point of with the pitch clock. Uh, this is really overthinking this. Do you think the pitch clock actually slows the game down? Because I say that. If the pitch clock is affecting pitchers, as much as we talk to coaches who think it's affecting pitchers around the country, and you're seeing more balls thrown, that in itself is lengthening the game. Yeah, and it's also helping stolen bases because guys just aren't able to hold runners like they used to. I mean, you look at Arizona State last week. They played a game that was a Saturday game that was a one-run ball game that went three hours and 40 minutes. So, I mean, it's it's not just here. It's there, too. And you're, you're talking about you know not a whole lot of hits, not a whole lot of runs, and you're going three and a half hours. So it's not just a problem that's here. All right. Well, we'll be able to debate that plenty on Sunday morning. You know what we should probably do now, though, Bart? Our two guys can smoke you. Our two brothers, two guys that can smoke you. You got your two guys ready to go? Well, I think the first one I'm going to go with is going to be an obvious one, and it's uh, Luke Hill, who's a freshman from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. He's had a good start last weekend. He had seven hits and 11 at-bats. He's batting 643. Three doubles. Three of his seven hits were doubles. Couple walks, three RBIs. But the thing about Luke Hill is he was a highly regarded shortstop, second baseman in Baton Rouge, went to Episcopal down in Baton Rouge. And so you're seeing LSU recruit nationally so much now, the the transfer portal and things of that nature. And you've got some really good players that are going elsewhere out of the state of Louisiana. And Luke Hill ends up at Arizona State. Really good shortstop. 
hit the ball well last weekend against um, a, a pretty good San Diego State team. And so that's that's one of the first guys I think of is he's a freshman and coming in and playing in front of a big crowd really for the first time. I'm going to be interested to see how Luke Hill performs this weekend. All right, and who's your second guy? Second guy is Timmy Manning, and you touched on it just a minute ago. Five and two-thirds last week in the Sunday start. He's a left-hander. So if you split the first two games – and then all of a sudden you got the Florida transfer coming out for Arizona State on Sunday. Hard-throwing left-hander. He only walked one in the game on Sunday. To me, that was the thing that stood out. You said he had a lot of base runners last year. This year he gave up two hits, five and two-thirds last week, only one walk. And so last week he pitched to a 105 opponent batting average. He struck out six. So I think, hey, if you've got to do something well Friday, Saturday, because Sunday – he has potential. He's a guy that has pitched in the SEC, and so coming to start was not going to be a, as big a deal for, for Timmy Manning as it would be for a lot of other people. All right, that's your two guys. I'll take a look at mine. My first is the left fielder, Will Rogers. Rogers is a sophomore, one of the guys who's not a transfer or a newcomer. Had the game-winning hit, game one of the, of the season for Arizona State. The other thing that he did in that ball game, in about the second inning, he hit one almost 450 feet. Guy can hit, hit um, nearly. He's, he's a guy who can be a double-digit home run guy. He also pitched three games last year. He's also their emergency catcher. The thing that he does is he absolutely murders fastballs. And if you go back to his numbers last year, nine home runs, I think eight of them were against fastballs. And so got to be careful, Will Rogers. He's, by the way, he's from Minnesota. So how really? do you make your way from Minnesota you to want better weather. State? Yeah, better weather. He found it. So the big thing with Will Rogers, he likes to hit fastballs, but he will chase balls out of the zone. you got to be a little careful with him. My other guy, though, is Isaiah Jackson. We like to talk about our freshman outfielder, Dakota Jordan. Arizona State's got a good freshman outfielder, too. Isaiah Jackson, 6'3", 205, freshman from Arizona. He can flat hit. He's left-handed. You know, right-handed thrower, left-handed hitter. So he is a guy drafted in the 18th round last year. He was the number two player in Arizona coming out of high school. So Isaiah Jackson, the center fielder, a guy to keep a lookout for this weekend. You know, here's what I wonder. This is their first road trip of the year. And so they play their first four games at home. This is the first time that they get on the road, try to have some camaraderie. I wonder, and you just have to wonder, because they have so many transfers and only just a few guys – left over from last year's team. Let me tell you what they have the hardest time doing this year, and that's camaraderie with their team. Because a lot of times when you get too many transfers, you kind of wonder what that does to guys that were there already. And You know what I'm saying, Charlie? It can split a well, lot. Well, the good news is there aren't many who are there already. <laughs> there aren't many of them. And uh, so you just kind of wonder what that does. when you Because I think you can have too many transfers. Well, it helps when you're winning. It does. Um, but, yeah, this is a team new. Hey, the guy we hadn't really talked about, kind of the glue guy on this team, the catcher, Ryan Campos, he's not a big guy. I think he's like five foot nine. His defense isn't where his offense is. But this is a guy that can hit. He's a guy that – he's kind of the glue guy. He's one of those guys who's been around. Other guy to look out for, the first baseman, Ethan Long. He was a 20th-round pick last year and also pitched in 20 games. So – They've got a couple of guys who, if all things go wrong, they find some time to eat up a few innings on the mound. <laughs> I, I just go back to it. 
this weekend to me is just kind of a preview. You've got a big weekend next weekend going out to Frisco when you play some some really good teams. I just think the next two weekends for us are going to tell us a lot about how much we've improved from last year to this year. It's going to tell you what kind of team you have. Well, and I'll tell you one thing that as I'm sitting here thinking through this, one thing that tells you about where Arizona State might be is we've gone around, we've talked about players. We haven't talked about the guy that D1 had as the number 36 draft pick this year, and that's the guy playing second base. Keyschool, Keyschool. Yeah, Keishel. He's the transfer from San Francisco, one of two that they have. That guy's He's a, really good. a really good player. He's hitting two eighty six right now, so not where he wants to be, but he's the guy they've got projected as being a top two-round pick, and here we are. We didn't even cover him. So this is a good baseball team. I think they're going to be pretty good. And I think, like I said, I think we're going to know a lot, about, a lot more about us on Sunday afternoon after game three. And then we've got the Tuesday night game against Southern Miss. And so the next four games for us are really important. Well, the next seven, when you count the next three, the next weekend over in Frisco. So. All right, so let's focus in on the next four right now. You've got three against Arizona State, one against Southern Miss. If you win three out of four, you have to feel really good. Oh, you do. So would you be surprised to see – I would be surprised to see Gerangelo this weekend. Because I think you see him on Tuesday. To to me, he's the guy you just pencil in on Tuesday night against Southern Miss down in Pearl. And I'd be a little bit surprised if we don't see Bradley Lofton. I think you probably do see Bradley Lofton, and so, um, because he was he was pretty good in his 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 game on Tuesday as well. So I think you you go go through this weekend, see how Gerangelo does on Tuesday, and just kind of reevaluate yourself. You may see a different starting lineup next weekend as far as your pitching rotation. No, you absolutely could, and I'm not entirely sure whether you fill that spot with a righty or a lefty. I think there's still a lot of questions to be asked about what you're going to do in that midweek, but I think guys are going to have their chance. Yeah. Hey, when we, when I was looking I at – I said midweek. Right. Middle game of the weekend, rather. Right. One of the cool things to me about Arizona State, and I love looking at the small little side stories like this, they play at Phoenix Municipal Stadium out in Phoenix, Tempe, and – that stadium was a long-time minor league ballpark. Boy, that thing's crying out for a corporate sponsor, isn't it? <laughs> it, it really Phoenix is. Municipal. But they took it over from a university standpoint in 2013. They poured some money into it, opened it up a little bit. And what's, what's crazy is that was the first spring training home for the San Francisco Giants. When the Giants moved from the polo grounds in New York to San Francisco, they went to Phoenix, to this stadium to do their spring training. And so what's so interesting about that is when they demolished the polo grounds in 1964, the owner of the Giants, Horace Stoneham at the time, shipped the light poles to Phoenix. And the light poles that they use at Arizona State are the original light poles from the polo grounds. It's a pretty neat story. How about that? Yeah. All right, Mississippi State, Arizona State. We'll be playing under some relatively new light poles with no historic significance, except for this. It's the only thing we hadn't talked about. Now, the surface isn't going to impact this team. They play on grass at home. But how many times do we see visiting teams come in here, struggle with the lights, balls get up above them? I don't think we have a lot of light shining up, apparently. Uh, and I think that's – there's. I hate to use the word flaw, but I think there's a design, a home field advantage, if you will, built in. 
we've got two night games. Yeah. Or, or two games where it'll be getting dark. We're going to start at four today, five tomorrow. See if any balls get lost in the lights or above the lights. Yep. Maybe, and, and if it happens, I hope it's for them. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, hey, we've got no excuses. We're supposed <laughs> to be used to it. So, in any event, hey, Mississippi State, Arizona State, Cade Smith will be on the mound for Mississippi State tonight, and it'll be done. the lefty originally from Florida State on the mound for Arizona State. He's Bart. I'm Charlie, and we'll be back on Sunday. See you on Sunday Coffee.